Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. I am so glad that I found Buzzsprout and was lucky enough to start with them. They've been so instrumental in helping me grow That Girl the Podcast. I love that I can look at my stats anytime, anywhere, and know exactly how I'm doing. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. And the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Chapter 25, Kiss and Tell I call Ryan the next morning around 11 a.m. Even when he's hungover, he doesn't sleep late, and since last night sounded like an epic night of drinking, I give him the morning to wake up and feel alive again. Or, at least, be a responsive zombie. He doesn't answer right away, and when he does, he sounds like another person. Every hello and how are you sounds very clipped and professional. I have no idea what he's heard or what he thinks. I ask if I can come over. I will sure as hell use my car to make it over there to fix this. This, after all, is all of my faults. I never should have let my pride get in the way of telling my boyfriend the truth. I arrive at his house and he shows me in. No hug, just a sweeping hand motion towards the living room. He's in workout shorts and an old t-shirt. His hair is a mess and his eyes are puffy and barely open. I sit down and he asks if I want anything. I say no. He shrugs and grabs a huge water bottle from the table and sits down with it. He swigs large gulps for what feel like forever just to keep me waiting. I wait, though. This is his moment, and if he really knows that I kissed Ezra, I deserve this. He finally comes up for air and sits there dazed, not staring at me, but waiting for me to speak. He looks over at me, and I look back sheepishly, not knowing what his cue means. Do you want me to go first? I ask. His expression starts to change from pissed to blank, and I figure that's his way of saying yes. I muster all of my courage and start. So, I have been keeping something from you, but I didn't say anything because I was embarrassed of how you'd think of me if I told you. I haven't told anyone, actually. Not even Jennifer. He huffs again. I continue. What I've been wanting to tell you is that a few weeks ago, my debit card didn't work. He looks at me annoyed. This is about your debit card not working? You could have just called your bank. I look at him, knowing full well that he has no idea what I'm getting at, knowing he has probably never been in this situation before. No, it wasn't some kind of technical problem. I take a deep breath in. It's because I didn't have enough money to use it. His expression changes from annoyed to concerned. I continue. You had already asked me to move in, but that was before this even happened. And after it happened, I couldn't find it in me to ask you to take pity, nor would I want you to. So I hid it from you. You know you don't have to be embarrassed to tell me anything. I would have given you the money or loaned it to you if that would have made you feel better about it. This isn't a big deal. He says, scooting closer to me and grabbing my hand. 
but it's a big deal to me. I haven't been driving much because I only have so much gas in my tank. That's why I haven't been coming to meet you as much. Oh my god. I wish you would have just told me. I would have come to you more often. I know, but I didn't want to put a burden on you like that. And honestly, this has been so hard for my pride to handle. I did make up for all of those years to avoid something like this happening. I know things are going well for me with music, but it's not paying the bills. So in the meantime, I needed to make some money. So I got a job at the Village Idiot. Really? So that's where you've been? He says, putting the pieces together. Yeah, I've been hosting and bartending. I just needed to make some money quickly and that's all I could think of. He laughs. And all this time I thought you were with that country guy. I pause, knowing I need to figure out what he's heard and hasn't heard. No, I wasn't with him. I haven't seen or heard from him since that day. He sighs. I was getting really worried when I thought you might be cheating on me with him. I feel so stupid thinking that now. I'm so sorry I ever assumed something like that. He looks so relieved and happy, finally hearing the truth. His face is practically beaming while mine is starting to look like his a few minutes ago. People always say you should lie about small slip-ups, like kissing someone, or even some say if you sleep with someone once, that it's more painful to tell the person rather than not let them know and then never do it again. My circumstance was different, though. This was someone I used to date, someone I used to like, a lot. I know the kiss just happened. I didn't mean for it to, and I certainly didn't try to make it happen. But I did fall into it. I just wish I could have stopped it earlier, or better yet, never let it happen. I'm so confused. I don't know if I should keep this from him after everything he's been going through for the last couple of weeks, or to tell him since now I know if I try to keep anything from him, it never ends well. He starts kissing my neck and pulling the strap of my tank top down. Come with me, he whispers into my ear. Rather than tell him the truth, I cowardly go along with him to his bedroom. We end up having sex for the rest of the morning and into the early afternoon, napping in between. I finally wake up starving. Ryan's still asleep and I go out to the kitchen to see what I can make myself to eat. I look around his cupboards and fridge. It's pretty bare here. I find a protein bar, inspect it, and take a bite. Its chewy chocolate flavor is fine enough. I've never been one for protein bars myself, but Ryan likes to work out, so I guess this is what those people eat. I sit there in silence, eating my chalky bar, staring out at the skyline, thinking about last night and this morning. Before I can fall headfirst into a deep, self-reflective session, I see Ryan walking sleepily towards me. Oh, I would have made you something. He says, smiling, leaning down to kiss the top of my head. I shrug mid-bite. It's okay. This is fine. I say, saliva barely able to break down this astronaut food. He smiles. They're good, aren't they? I smile politely and ask if he wants to get real lunch. He nods, and I take my half-eaten bar and set it down on the counter, hoping that maybe he can save it for later. I'm sure it'll last. We drive out to Santa Monica. Some fresh salt air and positive ions should help us both rejuvenate. I'm still worried about him not knowing the full truth about Ezra and me. And now I'm more worried than ever that in some crazy way he'll find out and never forgive me for it. 
We walk around Ocean Avenue and find a cute taco place where everything is organic and seasonal. Its brightly colored walls and festive modern Mexican decor look like something out of a Spanish-style house in Malibu. Shiny tin stars hang everywhere, and Day of the Dead skulls adorned as different L.A. figures are propped up on walls and shelves. I see Kobe Bryant and LeBron James skulls smiling near us as we munch on homemade chips and guacamole. Ryan rattles on about his week with artists and the meetings he's had. I've never seen him so talkative. I sit back and listen, nodding my head and smiling, trying not to think about my little secret. He asks me what it's like to bartend and if I get to drink all day. I tell him that I don't, that drinking doesn't seem as fun now that I'm on the other side of the bar, that it can be a little ugly to watch people fall deeper and deeper into whatever their subconscious is brewing as they start speaking their truth. Whiskey wisdom, I tell him. It's when either you know what you're talking about and all of the cobwebs clear, or when you think you know what you're talking about when you really sound like an idiot. It's hard to tell one from the other. Most of the time, people forget what they've said 10 seconds later. He laughs at this and tells me how noble I am for doing it, that the offer still stands to move in if I change my mind, but not for many reasons, but if because I'm ready to take the next step. I sit back dazed that this is my life now, at how different it was only months ago. I tell him thank you, and I'll let him know, but for right now, I'm going to keep my new, non-glamorous job. I'm surprising at how accepting he is of my normal person job. He doesn't seem to care that I'm the quintessential struggling musician. Maybe because he's repped so many of them before. It only takes one hit to take you from struggling to making it. And about 10 years in between. Our food arrives. Ryan's ordered a huge burrito, while I've decided on a taco salad. I wanted something light in case we go home for round two. Hey, do you have anything new you've written lately? I have some artists who might be a good fit for you to write with, he asked me while taking a huge bite of his burrito. I smile. Actually, I've been making really good use of my free time after work, and I think I've got some really great stuff. I pull out my phone and open up the recording app. There's a list of songs. I scroll down them until I find the one entitled Ezra Afternoon. I look hesitantly at the phone while Ryan waits for me to play something. I pick one of the songs and fearfully hand it to him. I just think, be calm. He's going to listen and not go through your diary. He takes it, presses play, and holds the phone close to his ear. He bobs his head to it and listens for a minute. I take a few bites of my salad, admiring the gorgeous water. The sky is especially blue today, and it looks like there's a filter on the day. In fact, there should be an Instagram filter called Santa Monica. The sky is a little blue and pink, and it feels like we're in an old movie from the 1960s, with its yellow-tinged nostalgia and Beach Boys vibe. I get lost in the moment, and when I finally look up, I see Ryan looking at me strangely. I give him a confused look. Does he not like the song? I mouth, do you not like it? He only stares at me, his head not bobbing this time. Fear rushes through my chest. I try to grab at the phone, but he pulls his body away from me, the phone still pressed to his ear. I stop, knowing what's going on. Words don't need to be said. We're talking to each other without them. He becomes more and more upset while I watch him helpless. I never listened back to the recording with Ezra and I. I never wanted to. I don't even know why I just didn't delete it. I was so dizzy from what he said to me that day I couldn't even think straight and frankly, I've never had to erase the evidence of anything. Ryan pulls the phone slowly away from his ear and sets it down. 
I see the recording Ezra afternoon and look up at him desperately. I don't know what exactly was on there, but it meant nothing. He doesn't speak. His face turns cold and blank like this morning when I first walked in. Whatever I remember, and whatever was on that recording must have said it all. Brian sits still, not making a sound, barely moving his body in his chair. I simply wait for him to make the next move. After a minute of silence, he goes to open his mouth and then stops. He looks to the side, trying to find the words and keep his composure. He looks at me again, opens his mouth, pauses, and then says, I need to go. He gets up from the table, pushing his little wooden chair back. The place is so small that he backs into someone and apologizes to them. I reach out my arm to him. Wait, we can talk about this. I say in a hushed tone so as to not make a scene. He pulls his arm back in a dignified way, stiffening up. We can't talk about this, he says and walks towards the host. He hands her some cash for our bill to give to the waitress and starts to walk outside. I'm dumbfounded, but not dumb, and I push my squeaky wooden chair back and squeeze between the people around me rushing out of the restaurant towards him. Ryan! I yell. He turns around quickly to see if someone is indeed calling him, but sees me instead and turns back around to keep walking. I run up to him frantic and grab him. Ryan, please, please let me explain. Please don't do this. I plead. I can't talk about this right now. He says, looking straight ahead and emotionless. Please, I was just trying to get him to admit what he had done. Like we planned, remember? You kissing him wasn't part of the plan. I don't remember that. No, of course not. But it just happened. He huffs. I could hear it in your voice. You still have feelings for him. It was a complicated situation. He came on to me and it was all so fast. Ryan, you have to believe me. That's not what I wanted. Ryan stops walking and looks off at the ocean. He pauses. I don't know how to believe you. He looks at me seriously. If you really cared about me, cared about us, you would have just been honest about Ezra. You would have been honest about your job. I don't know what we're doing here. We stand there, the breeze of the ocean blowing our hair in the sunshine. On any other day, we would have had a beautiful day here at the beach, roaming around, having a great time together. All I want is to have that great day back, the one that was fixed this morning. I look out to the beach and see an ambulance and its flashing lights. EMTs are wheeling a gurney with a body on it towards it. It looks like a surfer. I look at them concerned, hoping that it isn't something tragic, but it doesn't look good. I start to tear up, not just from the fact that someone might be in serious danger, but also because my relationship is. I don't know what else to say to convince him that I'm sorry and that it was the biggest mistake of my life. I feel like it doesn't matter what I say now, that he won't hear it. He sees me starting to cry, and I look away. I've never been one to cry in front of people. He's the only one who's ever gotten so much out of me. The only one who ever saw me for me. I look at him, pushing through tears. Please believe me when I tell you I care about you. I care about you so much. So much more than you even know. He looks at me. His eyebrows relax just a bit, and I think that perhaps he might be softening. Yeah? Well, I love you, he says, his eyes wet. I stop and stand there, not knowing if I should say it back or if that would only make things worse. I really need to be alone right now. 
I'll drive you home, but I can't talk about this. I need some space, he says. I nod, knowing that I need to stop. I need to stop everything. Stop talking. Stop wishing. Stop hoping. Just stop. It's only about 3 p.m., but the sun looks like it's setting. These early nights during the winter are always so hard. Your whole day feels shorter, like time is running out. We walk together in silence to his car. This is the first time we've ever been silent during a fight, and I hate it. I feel us getting further and further away from the ocean, away from our almost perfect day, and away from each other. Hey guys, did you know that for $5 a month, you can help support That Girl the Podcast on our new Patreon page? You'll get access to bonus podcast episodes only seen on Patreon, bonus footage on current episodes, Q&As, and everyone's favorite, loopers, and so much more. Because That Girl doesn't have sponsors, you'd be our sponsor. With $5 a month, you can help me keep making the podcast. To sign up, go to patreon.com forward slash thatgirlthepodcast.